Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. America, Mark Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I thought I would succinctly and clearly demonstrate the stark differences in this country and how for the left and the Democrat Party, everything they do and everything they are is to be protected and secured. And for us, the opposite. And so we have these governors and these mayors, mostly Democrats, hardcore left-wing Democrats, who shut down restaurants, who shut down salons. They turned to the likes of Fauci, also a liberal Democrat, among others. They shut down entire businesses, They put edicts out that people are to wear masks even in their own homes. And you know the list of horribles. And these people, we, have to fend for ourselves. If our restaurant isn't open, we go broke. If our job at our restaurant doesn't exist anymore, we go broke. It's not just restaurants. It's not just salons. There's retail stores all over the place, pizza parlors, uh, uh, jewelry stores, uh, you name it. We don't have functioning malls anymore in a period of nine to ten months. What happens to all those people? What happens to their inventory? What happens to the mall owners? What happens to the value of the real estate? It collapses. Everything collapses. Because in the private sector, you fend for yourself. And the way they try and make it up is to keep passing trillion and trillion and trillion dollar bills to give you some money, which obviously is not enough 
to live off of, but is driving our nation into massive debt. And notice, people are protesting that they want to get back to work. They want to open their businesses. They want to get back to work. In the private sector, people say, we want to get back to work. They're protesting to get to work. They're protesting to open their shops. They're protesting to want to make things and serve people and create things. Now, let's look at the public sector. The teachers' unions, they don't want to work. Government unions, they don't want to work. No interest in getting back into the classroom. They have a whole list of demands. You want us to go back in the classroom and teach your kids. This is what we demand. In the meantime, they're getting paid their salaries. They have their medical benefits, and they continue to get contributions made to their pension plans. The people in the private sector are subsidizing the government sector. They're subsidizing the teachers' unions and their members, and not all union members are this way. I get it. I'm making a point. The unions have no interest in sending their members back to work, and there's no penalty to pay. The members are utterly unaffected. No kids are in the classroom. Do you see massive layoffs of teachers? No, you don't. No, you don't. Do you see, all right, we're going to slash salaries 30, 40, 50? No, you don't. All right, we're going to stop contributing to medical benefits? No, you don't. These things happen in the private sector. They do not happen in the government sector. And our media are attached to the government sector. Our media are attached to government, big government, progressivism, neo-Marxism. So they back and defend the teachers' union and their ilk, and this is a major part of the base of the Democrat Party. Now, let's go on. I've touched on this before. Government shutdowns are treated like the end of the world, even pre-government shutdown. Oh, my God, they're going to shut down the government. Our parks won't be open. The government's going to run out of money. What are they going to do? Well, the government won't go broke because there are statutory and other requirements that the entitlements continue to be paid. They're not part of the general operating fund. But that's always fudged over. But let's put that aside. 17% of the government, when it's actually shut down, is shut down. 83% is not. We got that from Paul Ryan about a decade ago. And 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 they have these stories of government workers who are going without salaries for five days. Yes. But they always make it up. Because Congress passes bills to pay them anyway. And so we get this endless frenzied media hype. The vast majority of us don't even feel it when the so-called shutdown occurs. But you would think the sky is falling. You would think it was a, a nuclear winter. 
When the private sector shuts down, it must shut down for the good of the nation. It must shut down, and demands that it shut down are righteous demands. The people making the demands, the governors, the cities taking the actions. Well, these people are losing their businesses. Well, these people, so be it. We've got to do it for the, for the good of the nation, for the health of the nation. They must be shut down. There's no choice. Joe Biden compares it to, you know, World War I and World War II. Look at the sacrifice. I mean, what's your problem? Suck it up. A completely different reaction to the people and the businesses who are paying the taxes to the government, to the government employees, to the teachers' union members. A completely different reaction when they shut down, and I might add unconstitutionally, all elements of the private sector. You know, the virus is kicking up. We're going to have to shut down this and shut down that. And then they bring on the experts. They bring on Fauci. Fauci's still getting a salary. Fauci's pension's still being contributed to. Fauci still has medical benefits. His family's fine. He's not worried about it. I think he called the shutdown of the economies in different states inconvenient. It's inconvenient. Besides, Congress will just pass another massive, debt-ridden, trillion-dollar bill. And they call that a narrow, skinny bill, trillion dollars now. In one year's time, a trillion-dollar bill is called a skinny bill. A trillion-dollar bill is now a skinny bill. Now, what's been the holdup on this skinny bill? The Democrats, to make matters, to infuriate you even more, they want to subsidize the worst managed states and cities, which are Democrat states and cities. So they want to use the, the occasion of a relief bill for people who are put out of work in the private sector, not the government sector, in the private sector. They want to use that as a hook, as blackmail. to give another trillion dollars or so to states and cities that had massive debt even before the virus and that have now utterly mishandled the treatment of the virus. You see, you and I, it turns out, we serve the interests of the Democrat Party. We serve the base of the Democrat Party. And, very easily, we are the target of the Democrat Party. Why aren't the teachers getting a pay cut? Why aren't government workers being let off? Some of them, anyway. Why isn't the size of government shrinking when the size of the private sector is shrinking? Why are bureaucrats and politicians continuing to get paid when people are being thrown out of work left and right and businesses are being shuttered left and right. You see, the Leviathan is unaffected. 
Anthony Fauci, he's just an example, but a good example. He's been in government half a century. He doesn't know what it's like to run a restaurant. He doesn't know what it's like to be unemployed. He's got a lifetime position, two lifetimes, really. He's not going anywhere. His family doesn't have to worry about a damn thing. So he's talking about how to manage you and how irresponsible you are and what you need to do and the businesses you need to close and that you shouldn't celebrate Christmas and you shouldn't celebrate Thanksgiving and on and on and on. There is a totalitarian mindset spreading throughout the country the source of which is the Democrat Party. And the media, if you put it this way, you'll understand is nothing more than the mouthpiece, the propaganda wing of the Democrat Party. No more, no less. That's all it is. That's all it is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Florida's open. New York is closed. Written at uh, The Federalist by Christopher Bedford, senior editor there. As far in Florida, approximately 20,000 people have died from the virus in Texas, 24,000 in New York, 35,000. And New York is the smallest of the three. New York has 19.54 million residents. Florida has 21.67. Texas, 28.7. COVID numbers are difficult to trust. Cases are often counted more than once as patients go in and out of a hospital, and some deaths are attributed to COVID that are barely related, if at all. For months, American media consumers have been treated to news of Florida and Texas' incoming death spirals. For months after, we were promised those death spirals would be just around the uh, bend. Funny thing with COVID, though, is unlike global warming doom science, always 3 to 12 years away and too complex to explain what it inevitably doesn't happen, COVID doom predictions are checkable in just a few weeks, and COVID doom didn't happen. Along Florida's Gulf Coast, the streets are packed on weekends. In Naples, Florida, just a week ago, lights hung majestically from lampposts. A live nativity stood in the, in the road. Santa let children sit on his lap. Live bands performed every few blocks. Indoors, the bars were busy. And just after midnight, the last pub's band wound down for the night. Young parents, some of the elderly wore masks, but most people didn't. And the next morning, the beaches and pools were once again bustling 
was the first glimpse of the old normal, truly normal I'd seen since March. It was wonderful. Florida's freedom isn't some new and dangerous experiment, by the way. The Sunshine State has been open for nearly three months. Yet in New York this past weekend, Governor Andrew Cuomo ordered indoor dining shut down again. Since COVID began earnest in last Mar- late March, said, I've had the opportunity to travel 23 states and see all kinds of behaviors and impact. I've been to Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Indiana. California, and it goes on and on and on. Most of the people I've spoken to have shared a general impression the whole country was acting the same as they were and subject to the same rules. Well, the funny thing is, in reality, I didn't even have to travel from Washington, D.C. to Hillsdale, Michigan, to remember what sitting in a bar would like when just a four-mile walk from my house in Maryland would have scratched that itch. Just now, blocks away on Capitol Hill's Lincoln Park, children as young as two are wearing masks while they walk with their parents. Meanwhile, across the river in northern Virginia, few if any parents make their young children do the same. Virginia's Democrat governor, however, is not in the national media's crosshairs for this local break with New York's COVID culture, nor is Maryland's anti-Trump Republican governor, nor was New Orleans' mayor, whose French Quarter ragged until down, raged until dawn the October Friday she surprised bar owners with a sudden end of the lockdown. Why? Because as with global warming science, COVID science has become a political weapon for the left. While their allies escape judgment no matter their sins, political opponents from President Trump and Dr. Atlas, governors like Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, Christy Nome, are the targets of vicious media attacks on themselves, their states, and their families. Just Friday, a New York Times psychiatrist demanded that doctors who question mask efficacy lose their licenses. In America today, left-wing politicians obsessed with control are crushing the lives and dreams of their citizens. Well, in the same country, just across state lines, young and old celebrate Christmas like we used to without any notable difference in risk and impact. How long can this continue before we all figure it out? Early in the pandemic, some reports indicated that COVID-19 might have been an intentional weapon against us. Since then... We've learned this is a very unlikely, although this has not stopped it from being used as a weapon against us. Not by the communist Chinese, but by our own elites. Yes, the politicization of science and Fauci is at the point of the spear. Trust me on that. When we come back, the ambassador to the United States from the state of Israel. There have been many, many breaking events taking place, and we want to talk about them. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto Come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, live and national 
at 877-381-3811. The ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer. How are you, sir? It's great to be with you, and I'm happy to listen to the Christmas music. We're we're proud in Israel that we have a growing and thriving Christian population, the only one in the Middle East, about five times larger than it was when Israel was established. So you can play Christmas music, Hanukkah music, whatever you want. And happy Hanukkah to you, Mark. Uh, happy Hanukkah to you also. So we only have a limited amount of time. I don't want to care, uh, cover a number of subjects with you. The past six months have been quite remarkable in terms of peace in the Middle East. I'd like you to comment on that for us. Well, it, is been, it has been remarkable. We had uh, our first peace agreement with an Arab state was with Egypt in 1979, and then 15 years later, in 1994, Israel made peace with Jordan. And we had to wait a quarter century from the second to the third peace when we uh, reached a, a deal with the United Arab Emirates. And we only had to wait about a month from the third to the fourth when Bahrain, the Kingdom of Bahrain, made peace with Israel. And then we waited about a month after that to get a peace deal with Sudan. And now we've had this breakthrough uh, with Morocco. So four peace deals, twice uh, in the last four months, twice the number that we've had in the first uh, 72 years, and it's pretty breathtaking in terms of the success. And really, we're very grateful uh, to the Trump administration, to President Trump, Jared Kushner, uh, Avi Berkowitz, everyone who was involved in, in making these deals happen, because it wouldn't have happened without them. And how did these deals evolve? What do you think were the, the core reasons for that? Well, I think the recipe for success uh, were three things. One is the administration had a very strong policy vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis Iran. And many of the countries in our region, not just Israel, which obviously is threatened by Iran, which vows and works to destroy us, but the Arab states in our region, particularly in the Gulf, also are very concerned about Iran. So a strong policy of the United States vis-a-vis Iran was critical. And you know the Trump administration withdrew from the nuclear deal, placed sanctions, very strong sanctions on Iran. Uh, President Trump authorized uh, taking out uh, Qasem Soleimani, which is the world's biggest terrorist uh, earlier this year, at the beginning of this year. So because of that strong policy, I think he earned an enormous amount of credibility uh, in the Middle East. The second thing was President Trump embraced his allies in the region, uh, first and foremost Israel. Uh, Throughout his presidency, he has been unbelievably supportive of Israel, recognized Jerusalem as our capital, recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, put out a peace plan that is the first serious and realistic peace plan that takes into account Israel's historical rights and also seriously addresses our security needs. And by strong, by standing strong with his allies, not just Israel, but Arab allies in the region, by confronting Iran, and I think the third element of this is he opened a door for peace with the Palestinians, but he did not give the Palestinians a veto power over progress in the region. And that is effectively what has happened for the last 25 years. People said, you know, make peace with the Palestinians, and then you'll have peace with, you know, a dozen, 20 different Arab states. And we would say, well, that's great. Well, what if the Palestinians don't want to make peace with us? Are we just going to wait for them? And President Trump decided not to wait for them. And because of that, I think we've had these uh, breakthroughs. But there's talk now um, about going back in the Iran deal. What, What kind of impact would that have? If uh, we say uh, Biden is in the incoming administration and the policy is to go back to the Iran deal, how would that even work? I think it would be very terrible. Uh, It would be terrible and very dangerous uh, for the Middle East because the Iran deal 
was extremely dangerous for the region. It did not block Iran's path to the bomb. Believe me, if there were a deal that was on the table that would actually block Iran from developing nuclear weapons, Israel would be the first state in the world to support such a deal. The reason why we didn't support it is because the deal doesn't do that. It puts restrictions on Iran's nuclear program for a limited number of years. And after uh, that time period, which is then 10 to 15 years, now only 5 to 10 years, after that time period, those restrictions are automatically removed. And at that point, Iran won't have to break in or sneak into the nuclear club. They'll just walk into the nuclear club. And in addition to that, what the nuclear deal did, it removed all the sanctions on Iran, and it created a tailwind for Iran's campaign of uh, conquest and carnage throughout the Middle East. And we've seen it in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, in Yemen, in Gaza, and how it supports terror proxies through the region and throughout the world. And I would love to tell you that when those sanctions were removed, and this is what was hoped at the time, that it would be that Iran would change its behavior, you know, that it would establish a, a GI Bill for returning members of the Revolutionary Guard. But what it did is it fueled this war machine of Iran. And it was so bad in so many ways, and I think it would be a big mistake to return to the nuclear deal. And, and Israel is saying that, and our Arab allies are saying it. So everybody in the Middle East, except for Iran and the governments that it controls, is saying do not go back to the nuclear deal with Iran. So I hope a new administration, when it comes in, will actually speak to us, to speak to our Arab partners, to see the tremendous progress that has been made in the Middle East, in the last four years, and this, these diplomatic breakthroughs of the last uh, few months, and would keep the pressure on Iran to continue to confront them, to continue with crippling sanctions on Iran, to make sure there's a credible military threat of a, of a breakout to the bomb, and also to build on what the Trump administration has achieved and really reach out to the people of Iran, who are not an enemy of the United States. They hate the regime, too. But they haven't, you know, they haven't actually gotten enough support from the outside world to support, I think, their desire for freedom. And I think that's very real. I think my friends in Israel are in for a bumpy road and for a bumpy time here. Um, I just can see the people who uh, Biden would surround himself with. I can see the comments he made about the Iran deal. Which leads me to your prime minister. I don't think there's a leader... Uh, around the world who can better deal with a situation like this than Prime Minister Netanyahu. He's uh, he's really brought your country through a lot of very difficult times, including during the Obama administration. He gave that historic speech in 2015 to a joint session of Congress. That administration was very upset with him, but I think he felt he had to speak for his country and many people in the world and many people in this country when he did. That was an enormously brave act, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. But to me, it was, uh, frankly, a no-brainer, mm -hmm. because we see the deal, the Iranian nuclear deal, as a threat to the very survival of Israel. Iran is a regime that vows to destroy Israel openly and that works to destroy us. They're trying to surround us by supporting their terror proxies in Lebanon and in Syria and in Gaza. And we understand, and, and we understood then, that this deal was so dangerous for our future that the Prime Minister of Israel felt a moral obligation to come and speak out. It wasn't a simple thing because it was opposed to the policy of the administration, the Obama administration at the time. But I believe any leader of any country, if that leader felt that there was a deal that was being made by countries elsewhere in the world that could threaten the very survival of his or her country, I think they would go anywhere 
uh, to speak out. And that's exactly what the prime minister did. And I think it really changed uh, the course uh, of history, certainly in the last five years. Uh, and I think uh, we are very grateful that the Trump administration, when it came in, withdrew from the nuclear deal and reestablished those sanctions. And I'll tell you something else, Mark, that people don't know. Is that deal, also, that, that speech, I should say, by, by Prime Minister Netanyahu, really helped advance peace? Because the Arab states in our region, they actually had the same view in 2015 as we did about the deal. But they were saying privately what Prime Minister Netanyahu had the courage to say openly. And I can tell you that they reached out to us, many of those Arab states, right after that speech. And they thank the prime minister quietly. They thank the prime minister for speaking for them as well. And that accelerated ties that were happening underneath the surface dramatically accelerated over a few years. And those ties we've been able to surface uh, in the last few months thanks to the support of the Trump administration. Here's a headline from the Jerusalem Post. Consider the source, but nonetheless. Iran president says no doubt U.S. will return to nuclear deal commitments Quote, I have no doubt that the three-year resistance of the Iranian people will persuade the future American government to return to its commitments, and the sanctions will be broken, Rouhani said. They really desperately want these sanctions lifted because it's killing this, uh, this fascistic regime, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And people should ask themselves a simple question. Because what is being argued now by people who want to return to the nuclear deal is they are saying, why are we doing this? Because we want to prevent Iran from developing a nuclear weapon. Uh, okay, but Israel, the country most threatened than any country in the world, they don't want the United States to return to the nuclear deal. So are, are we interested in Iran having a nuclear weapon? Of course not. We understand that this deal pays the path for them to have a nuclear weapon. And it unleashes, to go back to the deal and to remove the sanctions, will we'll fuel the war machine once again. So I don't, uh, I, I, it's obvious to me why the Iranian regime would want to get out of the enormous pressure, get out from under the enormous pressure uh, that they're facing right now. But why would the United States do that? Why would the United States want to actually see hundreds of billions of dollars flow to a regime that leads thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in chance of death to America and death to Israel? It makes no sense. And it shouldn't just be... Uh, uh, almost a religious position that we're going to return to this deal. People should look at the facts on the ground, see the Middle East in 2021. Uh, this is a new administration in 2021. See it for what it is. Speak to your allies in the region, Israel and the Arab states, just as if you, I think, speak to North Korea, you probably want to know what Japan and South Korea have to say about it. Speak to your allies in the region. Talk to us. Hear us out. And hopefully we can forge a common policy and move forward and continue the, the, I think, strong policy vis-a-vis -vis Iran that has produced enormous benefits. You remember, you, you were involved in that debate in 2015 as well, Mark. Mm -hmm. And you remember what they said at the time? It's either this deal or war. Mm -hmm. Not true. Trump left the deal and he got peace. So it was the exact opposite. So I think we should continue this policy for the sake of uh, peace in the Middle East and, I think, the security of the world. You make a very, very important point, which is the countries that are in the area with Iran, Israel and the Arab states, none of them supported this deal. Some of them had their arms twisted, and yet they're the ones that have to reap the consequences of such a deal, most directly, 
and most fundamentally, I want to ask you quickly, we don't have a ton of yeah, time we, left. We have been the yeah. guinea pigs in this failed experiment, Mark. Yep. So listen to your friends and allies in the region. That's great that the British, the French, and the Germans are saying you should go back in the deal. They're thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. We're right on the front lines. And we're your, I think your best ally, Israel's your best ally in the entire world. So when Israel's telling you don't go back to this deal, when the Arab states are saying don't go back into the deal, I think people should pay attention. I think you're right. Um, but you're not the Brookings Institution, and they have a different view, of course, and they're in Washington, D.C. Um, quickly, what is Hanukkah? What is it all about? Well, Hanukkah is a story of from 2,200 years ago, in the middle of the 2nd century B.C., when a part of the Greek Empire uh, that was based in uh, Syria, uh, they decided that they were going to stamp out uh, Judaism. And the Jews, the Maccabees, revolted against that. And they revolted if for the sake of practicing their faith, and they waged a guerrilla war against impossible odds, really against an empire, and they won their freedom. They uh, recaptured Jerusalem. They rededicated the temple. They lit the menorah. They had enough oil only for one day. And the miracle of Hanukkah is not only this unbelievable military victory, it's also the fact that they lit this menorah, and the oil was supposed to last for only one day, and it lasted for eight. And that's why Jews around the world light these candles for eight days, and tonight is the eighth night of Hanukkah. And so again, I will, I will finish where I began and wish you a very happy uh, Hanukkah and a, a wonderful year ahead. How do you spell Hanukkah? There's probably about 15 different ways. That's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I know. If it's, it's, <laughs> in Hebrew, there's only one way. Uh, right. But in English, it's C-H-A-N-U-K-A-H. That's the way I spell it. And a lot of, a lot of Americans and non-Jews can't pronounce the H sound. It's because Jews have been clearing our throats for centuries. That's why we can there say you Hanukkah. Go. Most people say Hanukkah, but the way you pronounce it is Hanukkah. And by the way, your English is perfect. How come? I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm doing the best I can. Where were you born? I was born in um, the uh, Miami Beach, Florida, in the great state. And your father was mayor, your brother was mayor, right? Cor- correct, correct. Yeah. And grew up, went to a Jewish day school, was educated in the University of Pennsylvania, and made and my mother was to Israel Israeli? when I was 25. And I have been privileged to serve here as Israel's ambassador for, uh, this is my eighth year as ambassador and my eighth Hanukkah. Eighth year, maybe by the ninth year you'll get it right, Ron. <laughs> I'm trying my best. All right, brother. Well, God bless, and happy Hanukkah, and thanks for spending some time with us. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. You got it. Take care of yourself. Do I have time, Rich, or no? All right, I do. You know, isn't he great, by the way? He is terrific. Ron Dermer, ambassador to the United States from Israel. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. 
Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. Looks like there's a somewhat of an anemic attempt to come to Mitch McConnell's defense for his comments the other day on the floor of the ha- Senate, which I criticized. Nobody said Mitch McConnell can fix anything. What people have said is, why doesn't he keep his mouth shut until January 6th, when other people are trying to look at the situation to decide what, if anything, could be done about it under our electoral college? What about the states? The states failed us. Many of the states did fail us. But where are these people when the states failed us? Have any of them contributed any time to assisting the litigation? Have any of them contributed any time to going over the briefs like I have and my family has? Have any of them spent any time dealing with the problem in the states? No, they haven't. See, the Democrats, and this is the difference, they fight at every level. Whether it's Schumer, whether it's in the states, whether it's in the cities, whether it's their state attorneys general, whether it's their judges, we, we get passes all the time. Mitch McConnell's a very nasty guy. I talked to a number of senators up there. They tell me how he conducts himself. And I'll give you a perfect example. I shouldn't even say this, should I, Rich? There's a candidate running in Georgia. We get along great with the candidate. Working at a date on Friday for that candidate to come on because Friday's my last show until January 4th, and Georgia's a crucially important election. Suddenly, the candidate is too busy two days after I criticized Mitch McConnell. Now, Mitch McConnell would say, I had nothing to do with that. It's not Mitch McConnell. He's got operatives. This is how he conducts himself. This is how he stays the leader of the Republican Party. No, Mitch McConnell doesn't get a pass. Nobody gets a pass. This is a fight for the Republic. Nobody's saying Mitch McConnell had anything to do with anything. That's part of the problem. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, uh, this talk about, you know, in the States, they let this sort of thing take place. It's not McConnell's fault. Let me tell you what was taking place in some of these States. The legislature in Pennsylvania was fighting like hell against the Secretary of State and the Governor and against their rogue state Supreme Court. All of which acted against the legislature. 
and the Republican Party, the state, and others went all the way to the United States Supreme Court to point out the violations of the Constitution, and the Supreme Court would do nothing. Nothing. Many of the Republican legislature in Georgia wanted an emergency legislative session to take back the authority that the Republican Secretary of State illegally handed over effectively to Tracy Abrams. But the governor can only call in the legislature under emergency authority. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. In Michigan, the state legislature, Republican, fought tooth and nail with the Democrat state uh, elected officials, the constitutional officials there. They have a rogue governor, among others, and their secretary of state. They fought. They went to court. Court wouldn't hear it. State after state after state. And we had brave, patriotic, volunteer lawyers, for the most part, fighting like hell in these states. You don't know any of their names. Very few of them, including my wife. So it's a little precious to get lectured about, don't fall for the, for the Mitch McConnell trick, because... You dare to criticize Mitch McConnell, who goes to the floor after the electors vote, quote-unquote, and gives a speech welcoming the incoming president and welcoming the incoming vice president. Well, these cases, in some cases, are still pending. He couldn't wait to give his speech? No, he couldn't wait, because the press was pressuring him to speak. Governor DeSantis in Florida, he's waiting. Others are waiting. They're saying, let the system play out. On January 6th, we'll know. Of course, it's an incredibly uphill fight. But don't criticize Mitch McConnell. I have heard this for 20 years. Poor Mitch McConnell. And he leaks to Politico, and he leaks to these other entities, and he has his surrogates who do their hatchet jobs on candidates they don't like. He's reached into states to knock off conservatives, to promote rhinos, to empower himself. Nobody ever talks about this or writes about it. And if you do, don't fall for the bait. Nobody's blaming Mitch McConnell for what took place in the States. Did somebody do that, Mr. Who did that? Anybody? Just saying shut the hell up until the propitious time to speak. Meanwhile, we all sit here and we watch. Chuck Schumer still hasn't accepted the Trump presidency. Nancy Pelosi still hasn't accepted the Trump presidency. Did Chuck Schumer go to the floor of the Senate when the electors were selected and give a, a friendly, supportive speech to Donald Trump and Mike Pence? No, that's what you're sick of, and I don't blame you. They were plotting Trump's demise. They were plotting how to destroy him. And the battleground was in the House. Oh, I understand the vote in the Senate. Mitch kept the Republicans together. Mitch kept the Republicans together? I don't think Mitch had to keep the Republicans together. There were a handful that we didn't know about. And they did what they wanted to do. 
whether it was Murkowski or Collins or Romney. Those were the three. Everybody knew it. If Collins had voted against Trump, she would have been thrown out despite all the propaganda. Same with Murkowski. And if Romney runs again in Utah, we'll see what happens to him in convention and beyond. That's really beside the point. All the information coming out about what took place against Donald Trump didn't come out because of Mitch McConnell. It came out mostly because of Devin Nunes in the House. Or Ron Johnson, who's had handcuffs put on him, quite frankly. You didn't hear McConnell leading the battle on the Russia collusion crap. The way Schumer leads his battles. It's time for some fresh blood and new leadership. It's time for people who can communicate with younger people and other people in this country. The reason McConnell's not out front most of the time is because he's a backroom guy. That's what he is. That's what he does. I don't hate him. It has nothing to do with that. It's not a matter of hanging our hat on him or whatever that phrase was. We look at the other side and we say, look at that. They got a 78-year-old Biden. They've got a 80-year-old, uh, what's her name, Pelosi. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a young, articulate, substantive, charismatic Senate leader? Rather than destroying the farm team, rather than keeping the farm team down, it reminds me of Fauci who's been around 50 years. And that's just the way it is. Because this party is going to revert back to its old ways. It's going to revert back to its old ways. Because the same people are there. You got McConnell. You got Blunt. You got Thune. You got Cornyn. That's it. And so there's no room. There's no room for the sorts of people I'm talking about. McConnell helped crush the Tea Party with Boehner. I have a very long memory. A very long memory. Has McConnell done some good things? Of course he has. Guy's been there 412 years. Of course he's done some good things. And he should have done some good things. By the way, is his advice to President Trump that Brett Kavanaugh would have an easier time getting through than Amy Coney Barrett? And the president listened to that, and he went with Kavanaugh first and Barrett second. Well, that happened to be absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. So I'm not going to spend tonight dealing with this, but you want to defend McConnell? Go for it. But it really is time for some new blood. It really is. You know, you watch Kevin McCarthy on TV now. He's really got his act together. He comes on this show. He reaches out to conservatives. He speaks. He's articulate. He's available. It's not the same with McConnell. It's just not. It's the way it is. You want to know an easy way to save a lot of money each month? Refinance your mortgage. It's true, because there are some programs available with rates in the twos, meaning it's a good time to call American Financing to see what you qualify for. After all, 
Lower rate means hundreds in monthly savings, plus tens of thousands of long-term savings. It's the kind of money you can't miss out on. So if you want to capture a rate that's still near all-time lows, call American Financing. There's no pressure, no obligation, no upfront fees. Just a simple conversation around ways you can save up to $1,000 a month. That's a lot. A month. This is a company that is really in it for you, doing whatever it takes to achieve your financial goals. So if you really are ready to save, please call our friends at American Finance. You know, why do I call them our friends? Because they were terrific with Mr. Producer and terrific with my daughter and son-in-law. Call 888-900-1828, 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. Or apply online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So I spoke the other day about Joe Scarborough and his endless references to the Third Reich and Hitler when he's talking about the President of the United States. And I'm really starting to believe that he's a bigot. Because I've made it clear publicly on multiple occasions, when you do something like that, you offend an awful lot of people, particularly people who are still alive who suffered under that regime. Many of whom are Trump supporters. We just had the ambassador from Israel on the program who was thanking and praising the President of the United States for assisting in the peace deals, among many other things. And God forbid, if Biden moves in, I'm sure the Nazi propaganda that comes out of Scarborough's mouth will cease, even though the Biden and the Biden administration agenda is extraordinarily hostile to the state of Israel, and they appease the Palestinian terrorists and the Iranian terrorists. But they'll be called righteous and fair-minded. Here is the morning schmo, the banjo player from Deliverance on the bridge. Cut to go. Many of his followers whose heart has been so hardened by the lies. Yeah. Whose, whose minds have been so numb by the steady stream, the fire hose of falsehoods, the Russian-style propaganda, the Nazi-style propaganda, where it's not just a big lie, it's a barrage of smaller lies that so numb followers from the truth that we can have a September 11th every day. And they just don't give a damn about this it. This is really, you know, unbelievable that a corporation, that a uh, media platform would continue to pay the salary of such a sleazy bastard who continues to go to the Hitler well when he talks about the President of the United States and the people who support him, almost 75 million people. I can assure you Joe Scarborough hasn't been in the state of Israel lately, neither has his sidekick Mika. Because they'd see exactly how Donald Trump is, is thought of there. Or they dare not go into Brooklyn the Orthodox Jewish community, to see how Donald Trump is thought of there, as opposed to Andrew Cuomo and Bill DiCamio. 
This guy sits on his fat ass with his bulbous nose. Always sounds like he's chewing on tobacco. Purposely using the most provocative and acidic terms he can come, he can think of when he talks about the President of the United States and his supporters. And Comcast, which owns NBC and which owns MSNBC, is perfectly fine with it. Now, I don't know about you folks, but we're going to get rid of Comcast and the Levin household during the course of the holiday. We've had enough. And this is the sort of thing I believe you should do. What can we do, Mark? You can do a lot. And you can shut this show off. You don't need to listen to this guy. This this absolute sleazeball with the terms that he uses. I understand he hates the President of the United States, but at least have some compassion for the people who suffered during the Holocaust. Some compassion for the men and women of the United States who put on the uniform and fought that regime. Again, even though their numbers are dwindling, many of whom support Donald Trump for president, like my late father. And the idea that this president doesn't care about the death toll of this virus is a damnable lie. He's the one who pushed for vaccines. He deserves a ticker tape parade. There's no way a Joe Biden, 50 years in Washington, a Fauci, 50 years in Washington, that either of these men would have stepped up to the plate and accomplished what Trump did in nine to ten months. And he'll wind up, and the team behind him, private and public, will wind up saving millions of people. And what did Joe Scarborough do during this period, ladies and gentlemen? He huddled down in Jupiter, Florida. With Mika. With their Washington, D.C. fake backgrounds. And they shot spitballs the entire time. Trashing this president every step of the way. And now the constant, relentless comparisons to Hitler and the Third Reich. Because neither of them have ever had a family member who suffered from the Third Reich. They think they're clever. Self-aggrandizing self-promoting buffoons who have their own little social circle, their own little TV show, filled with hate and poison. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I've never understood the school of thought that says you can only have one enemy at a time. That's absurd. That's simplistic. It's also dangerous. Our country has many enemies. Many. Many that would like to overtake us. Many that would like to defeat us. Many that would like to punish us. Terrorists all over the world. Iran. North Korea, China is our gravest enemy. But the idea that you have to choose between China and Russia is stupid. Russia is a massive military. Russia is now taking over the North Pole. Are you aware of this, Mr. Producer? They're taking over the North Pole. Now, it's true its economy is decrepit. But it pours its resources, because it's a fascistic regime, it pours its resources into its military and its uh, state police. It's got serious nuclear weapons. Nuclear weapons have multiple warheads. It's got serious submarines, serious bombers, serious jet fighters. It's got a serious army. Russia is a threat. Russia has conducted a massive attack on the United States. A cyber war. This isn't coming from neocons. It's not coming from think tanks. It's not coming from the militaristic mindset of Republican hawks. It is a fact. And I will explain more when I return. This is Radio Free America on the Mark Levin Show. Call now, 877-381-3811. Remember the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, who is uh, the least known man in America? Remember he said that the Russians are interfering with our election to help Joe Biden. Remember that, Mr. Producer? And he had to reluctantly admit that the Chinese were interfering in our election to help Joe Biden. Then we get this guy that heads the cybersecurity, whatever, whatever. A few days after the election, he issues a declaration saying that it's the cleanest election in American history. That is, that's his focus on whether the Russians or the Chinese are interfering. He said no. I've never really squared that circle. Has has anybody else? There's Christopher Ray, and then there's this guy uh, who's running this cyber entity. And now we know Chris Krebs, yes, a name that shall live uh, nowhere. And now we know that the Russians have had a massive ongoing cyber attack into our government agencies, 
including the agency that oversees our nuclear weapons. And somehow, Christopher Ray missed it. This guy Krebs missed it. Because they're too busy playing politics. Too busy playing politics. And then we have appeasers in both parties. Don't focus on Iran. Don't focus on Russia. Focus only on China. We have to focus on China, but we can't ignore the other threats. Obviously, Russia's a threat, wouldn't you say, ladies and gentlemen? And by the way, desperate countries do desperate things, and Russia's a desperate country. David Sanger at the New York Slimes, federal officials issued an urgent warning today that the hackers who had penetrated deep into government systems also used other malware and different attack techniques that posed a grave risk to the federal government. The warning from the Department of Homeland Security's cybersecurity arm gave no details, but it confirmed suspicions voiced earlier this week by FireEye, a cybersecurity firm, that there were almost certainly other pathways that had been found for attack. So Putin has launched a multifaceted cyber war against the United States. You must be a neocon. Ooh, a neocon. FireEye was the first to inform the government that a Russian intelligence agency's hackers had, since this spring, gotten into critical network monitoring software used by the government and hundreds of Fortune 500 companies. Now, we might recall that communist China and fascistic Russia are what we call allies. And Russia has been sharing military technology with the communist Chinese. Now, what do you think Russia might do with the information it's getting? Sit on it? That's why you can't be myopic about these things. The discovery vastly complicates the challenge for federal investigators as they search through computer networks used by the Treasury, the Defense Department, and Commerce Department, and nuclear laboratories trying to assess the damage and understand that the hackers had stolen. Mitt Romney came out today and he trashed the president. Where's the reaction to this? Where's the reaction? First of all, Mitt Romney doesn't even know if there has been a reaction. Because if we hit the Russians the way they hit us, you're not going to announce it, Mick. God, what an SOB. Our enemies attack and they attack Trump. The Chinese unleash this virus and they attack Trump. It suggests that other software in the supply chain used by government agencies and companies are similarly corrupted, though it appears that investigators do not have a comprehensive list. It also raises the possibility that the goal of the hackers went beyond espionage and that the Russian actors, once inside the systems, could alter data or use their access to take command of computer systems that run industrial processes. So far, though, there's been no evidence of that happening, but the fear exists. The alert also ramped up the urgency of government warnings. After playing the incident down, see, the, here you go. President Trump has said nothing. We're only four paragraphs in. We're only four paragraphs in. They're desperate for President Trump to say something. That's what Joe Biden does. He's hot air. He's full of crap. 
Trump acts. And that's what he'll do. A pissed off Trump is not somebody you want to be around, I'm sure. The warning came just days after Microsoft, which produces Windows software and monitors the global network of computers that make use of Windows, took emergency action along with FireEye to halt the communication between the SolarWinds network management software, this apparently is widely used throughout our government, and a command and control center that the Russians were using to send instructions to their malware. Now what should we do? I'll tell you what we should do. We should unleash holy hell into their computer systems. We should dig right into Vladimir Putin's $40 billion bank accounts. But I must be a neocon. I've never understood this. The Russians have shown no evidence of being allies of ours. None. Ask our pilots in the Navy and the Air Force. Ask our naval ships. Of course they're not. Russia has a massive military. Why do they have it? Well, we know why they have it. But they're no threat to us. No threat to us. Yes, they are a threat to us. Any nation that has massive nuclear warheads aimed at our country is a threat to us. Well, of course, this should not be used as an excuse by our uh, appeasers within our country, the Democrats, to take the eye off of China. What this means is we got a lot of issues here. We've had them, had them before, and we have them now. And so I'm sure the Democrats are very, very concerned about this. The New York Times very, very concerned about this. So will they support massively increasing defense spending? No. Of course not. Why would they do that? Yes, we should Biden slither into the Oval Office. Exactly the wrong president at exactly the wrong time in our history. I keep saying this and I mean it. I keep saying this and I mean it. There's simply no question about it. Representative Mike Quigley, I don't know who Quigley is, probably some liberal dope from Massachusetts, but I honestly don't know. And Jim Shuto, a former Obama official, dressed up as a national security reporter for the Constipated News Network. They both agree that this is Trump's fault. Cut seven, go. This president has rarely, if ever, stood up to Russia on a whole host of things. Uh, he has still not commented on this. On okay, this yes, act. he has stood up to Russia more than your damn president ever did, Shudo. And your appeasement damn party has ever done. Oh, Quigley's from Illinois. What's the difference? Go ahead. Uh, as you know, he took the side of Vladimir Putin on Russian interference in the election as to whether Russia was behind that. He took the side of Vladimir Putin. What he knew was that the Obama administration, the Clinton campaign, were trying to sabotage his campaign. God, I hate these people. I can't play this clip. I cannot play this clip. I detest these people, how they lie. It's just endless. Endless. The holidays are finally here. While it might be time 
forgiving. Uh, you know, for timeshare owners, it's maintenance fee season. You timeshare owners know exactly what I'm talking about. We all know they're due the first of the year, and look, it's no secret that this has not been the year for vacations. This likely wasn't even the first time you weren't able to travel where and when you wanted to go, and let's also be honest that with all the uncertainty in the world, you know, who knows if you'll be traveling next year. But in any event, why continue to pay for something you may not use or that you can't use? It's time to make a change and scratch one more thing off that holiday list and put more money in your pocket. Call Timeshare Termination Team today. They're the best. They'll get you out of your timeshare legally and permanently, guaranteed. And with a 100% success rate, they're a team you can trust. So give them a call right now. They're there right now. And my listeners, you'll get 20% off when you terminate your timeshare. 20% off. So call 1-888-GET-YOU-OUT. It's that simple. Broken English, but we love it. 1-888-GET-YOU-OUT. Or visit timeshareterminationteam.com today. That's 1-888-438-8688. 1-888-438-8688. Call today. The Timeshare Termination Team. They'll get you out. I'll be right back. in. I'm about to shock you, because it shocks me. Little Dick Durbin is the number two Democrat in the United States Senate from the state of Illinois. And I want you to listen to what he had to say on the floor of the Senate today. Cut 10, go. The Warp Speed Project uh, appears to be a dramatic success, and I pray that it will be. Uh, Although I've been a frequent critic of this administration, I want to give them credit for organizing this effectively and delivering a vaccine in a timely way, almost amazing timely way uh, in in this uh, pandemic that we face. I thank all who were involved in it, especially the scientists and researchers who didn't give up until they found these vaccines. Now, he couldn't say the president's name, but he came closer than any Democrat I've heard. Now, I want you to listen to this cut for several reasons. You're going to hear how Chuck Todd frames an issue, how the media, filled with leftist Democrats, low IQ nobodies, push an agenda, and how the Democrats embrace it and run with it. Just listen to how this is presented. This is the guy that's in charge of Meet the Press. He's the political director at NBC. (laughs) Excuse me, this is his MSNBC show. So he ultimately works for Comcast. His wife is a Democrat hack. So listen to this. Listen to the way it's posed, and you'll see. Cut 11, go. Do you believe we need a 9-11-style commission, the Iraq Study Group, Warren Committee, you name it, right? Great crises in America have gotten us important commissions to make sure we don't make the same mistakes again. Do we need this? Stop a second. So he's asking this at Clyburn, who's a hack. But he never supported a commission in the Russia collusion hoax because he was part of it part of it. He never supported a commission into the swine flu failures. He never supported a commission 
into uh, Fast and Furious, into Benghazi. No, no, no. What he wants is a commission to go after Trump, even if Biden becomes president. They can't end it. They don't want to stop it. And this is what happens in totalitarian regimes. Even if another candidate wins and takes over, they want you to hunt down that past candidate, prosecute them, throw them in prison, humiliate them. And this is Chuck Todd. He's a totalitarian. Stupid man. But let's listen to this guy, Clyburn. Go ahead. We may. And I think that that's something the new administration uh, may need to take a look at. Uh, my committee, however, is to provide oversight. Uh, when Congress All right, he rails on uh, incoherently. We need a commission on the media. Not a government commission, but a commission like they had in the 1940s. And that commission today would say the media has destroyed itself. We don't have free speech. We don't have a free press. We absolutely do not. The press in this country has been devoured by the Democrat Party and the left. And so they burp up the likes of Chuck Todd, who's unaccomplished, who's unintelligent, who's barely literate, and pushes his agenda. It could be Chuck Todd, it could be Joe Scarborough, it could be Jake Tapper. They're all really one and the same. Really one and the same. Do we need a commission to investigate? Here we have vaccines. Come. How do you hell do you think we got vaccines, Chucky? How the hell do you think we got them? Just happened? Just because we had such brilliant scientists and experts at the FDA and in the bureaucracy and in the private sector? How do you think we got there, Chucky? You clown, you moron. Yeah, I'm calling out names tonight. How about that? That's why I'm so deeply hated. But I don't care. Right now, get a mouth-watering steakhouse caliber package at an exclusive price just for you, my listeners. It's called the Deluxe Grillers Assortment. Just saying the name makes me hungry. Why? Because we've gotten this. Deluxe Grillers Assortment, and it is fantastic, particularly if you're a meat lover like I am. For $129.99, you'll get the following. Listen to this. Four fork tender butcher's cut filet mignons, eight boneless chicken breasts, four juicy Omaha Steaks burgers, four gourmet jumbo franks, four individually wrapped scalloped potatoes, four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets. I'm not done. You'll get a free digital meat thermometer to make sure everything you cook is exactly as you want it, plus four free Omaha Steaks burgers. I want you to try this. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, into the search bar, and order this package for yourself as a Hanukkah gift, as a Christmas gift, whatever you want. You may stay home this holiday. You may travel this holiday. This is the gift for yourself, for your family, or other friends and loved ones. You'll eat great with the best steak of your life, guaranteed. So go to omahasteaks.com, type L-E-V-I-N in the search bar, and order today. They're there. They're waiting for your call. They are great people. They are great people. Let's see here. I'm looking. uh, You know what, Mr. Producer? We've had it with the audio because there's too many crackpots. 
too many crackpots. Now, we're not going to leave Hunter Biden because Hunter Biden leads to Joe Biden. I know the media, you know, there's no evidence. There's always no evidence. There was no evidence in Russia collusion, so they concocted evidence. You know, when we connect the dots, we connect the dots here, they connect the dots to nowhere. It doesn't matter. Majority believe media buried Hunter Biden's story to aid dad's campaign, no doubt about it. And, you know, you would think people in the media would look at this and say, you know, we better have a meeting, the executives at this or that newsroom, and clean up our act here. Because more than half the people think we're intellectually corrupt, and maybe we are. That's not how it works now. You know how it works now? They play to their base. The New York Times does surveys. They know who their audience is. That's who they pump up. Who else? Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC. This is what they do. So they don't care about all the hostility out there. They don't care what you think. They don't care at all. They don't care about the reprobates they bring on who talk about Hitler and the Third Reich when they're talking about our politics and so forth. Now, they don't care. They haven't care anything about what you think. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Now, Moderna, their vaccine has been approved. These are very, very important facts, ladies and gentlemen. I know there are people out there who are trashing all this. I don't get it, but it doesn't really matter. This is from uh, the New York Slimes, and adversary group's recommendation will mean millions more Americans can be inoculated, extending protection against COVID beyond big urban areas into rural and suburban regions. Nobody thought this was possible except the president. Fauci didn't think it was possible. Many of his own advisors didn't think it was about the media trashed him left and right. I posted today on my social sites that the president deserves, and I mean it, and I've said it before, a ticker tape parade. This is as big as the vaccine that that Salk found on polio. It's a big, 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 big deal. Millions of people are going to be saved, tens of millions all over the world over the course of time. The coronavirus vaccine made by Moderna moved closer to authorization on Thursday, a significant step that would expand the reach of the nation's vaccination campaign to other areas of the country, many more hospitals, and I'll tell you why. The Pfizer vaccine comes in two shots and has to be kept at some ungodly temperature, like 70 degrees below zero. The Moderna vaccine is one shot, and it has to be kept at around freezing or so, Uh, but not 70 below. Now, I want you to think about something. You're the tip of the pyramid here. You're the president. you got the vice president under you, and then you have all these other folks in the federal government and the private sector. You have to figure out how to get 
first the Pfizer vaccine, two doses, two shots, 70 degrees below zero from point A to point B, and then from point B into your arm. 70 below zero. And you have to figure out how to do that millions and millions of times over. So from production to warehousing to transport to warehousing to distribution, all through that supply chain or all through that travel chain, you've got to have this all figured out. Now, does anyone here for a second believe that Joe Biden and his team would have been able to do this? They had their shot. They blew it on the swine flu. That's how important this is. This is how amazing this is. Moderna would be the second company allowed to begin inoculating the public, giving millions more Americans access to desperately needed vaccine. Now, I'm, I'm reading this for the first time. I want to see how long it takes to get to Trump's name. The first made by Pfizer and its German partner, Biotech, received authorization last week. The Moderna vaccine can be distributed more widely because it can be stored at normal freezer temperatures, and unlike the Pfizer vaccine, does not require ultra-cold storage, as I mentioned. Moderna can go to more places, Dr. Mandy Cohen, North Carolina Secretary of Health and Human Services, said this week. We hope to be in all 100 counties with some amount of vaccine, small allocations at first by the end of next week. This is so unbelievable. Am I the only one excited about this? The two vaccines and an ambition rollout by the ambitious rollout by the federal government, states and businesses to deploy them, are the first signs of hope for an end to the pandemic that has killed more than three hundred thousand Americans, closed school Yeah, yeah, we know. Moderna developed its vaccine in collaboration with scientists from the National Institutes of Health and a couple of billion dollars. The vaccines are in short supply. The initial batches are being given to people at now, now, just listen to this. They slipped this stuff in. The vaccines are in short supply. The president went out front and had various vaccines manufactured before they were approved. He got all over the FDA for dragging its feet. He's then accused of killing people. And now the vaccines are in short supply. They're early. There's millions and millions of dosages. They believe by April, give or take, every American who needs or wants a vaccine, a vaccine shot will have gotten one. Mankind's never seen anything like this. Ever. Let's see here as I go through. I printed this out. Page one, page two, page three, page four. Bear with me. Page five, five printed pages, no mention of Trump. No mention of Trump and Operation Warp Speed. That's the New York Times. That's the New York Times. Doesn't the administration deserve any credit? You heard little Dick Durbin. Even he had to say, look, you know, I'm a critic, but, you know, this is really quite remarkable. Then you hear Chuck Todd pushing for a 9-11 type commission. It's a sick bastard. So now Trump is to be attacked 
We should have a commission to investigate him. The man running the federal government, working with the private sector, setting up the organization, the general in charge of the entire project, we should have a 9-11 commission. As if he was one of the terrorists who flew a plane into one of the two towers, ladies and gentlemen, and into the Pentagon. Crashed a plane in central Pennsylvania. That's what they think of your president. That's what they think of your president. Who thanks to his administration, the president, the vice president, and yes, of course, all the unsung heroes. But all the unsung heroes could be drowning in red tape if it were a Joe Biden administration or a Bill Clinton administration, or let's be honest, a Bush administration. No president has driven the bureaucracy in the private sector like this. None. They talk about, oh, FDR did this, and FDR did that. Well, Donald Trump did this. Donald Trump did this. Now, are the deaths being reported when the coronavirus inflated? How many shows have I done on this, Mr. Producer, in March and April, early on, when nobody was talking about this? Several? And the New York Times was writing, and the Washington Post, and the usual suspects, stories, and intimating right-wing conspiracy theorists. These same newspapers have written, use more ink on me than they did the Holocaust. I'm telling you. Yes, the numbers are inflated. And yes, the media wants you to keep looking at those numbers. We've never had charts on cancer, charts on heart disease and heart attacks and strokes and diabetes, never. There, there's a ghoulish obsession, almost a sick perversion in the way the media handle this. And I mean this. And the media have been wrong almost every single step of the way. How come we don't have a chart every night or every day? on our television screens, on how many people Andrew Cuomo killed as a result of his nursing home policy. Or Murphy of New Jersey. How come we don't have a chart on how many people have committed suicide as a result of the policies of Democrats in these states shutting everything down and forcing people to be in their homes, for God's sakes? It's getting very sick out there. It really is. And it is very sick out there. And the greatest sickness we have in this country, it's true, are the media. The media. I played you that Chuck Todd question. What, what cut was that, Mr. Producer? Let, let's play it again. Just the question. I don't care about Clyburn's answer. Go ahead. Do you believe we need a 9-11 style commission, the Iraq study group, Warren Committee, you name it, right? Great crises in America have gotten us important commissions to make sure we don't make the same mistakes again. Do we need this? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. doing mr producer nothing can we go to a caller i do not have my call screen up um 
Who might you suggest, Mr. Producer, if you were doing this radio show? Idaho XM Satellite. Nick, you're on, brother. Go. Mark, thank you. Recently, you you brought up the topic of setting up a commission to look into the integrity of the 2020 presidential election. I brought that up myself. You did. I'm not hearing this topic anywhere else. Nope. 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 So I was hoping that before you take off for the next couple of weeks, that either today and or tomorrow, yeah. You would keep alive this excellent idea of a commission. And it ought to be appointed. We don't need, we don't need uh, fair and balanced or whatever. It is. We, what we need is uh, a bunch of uh, serious people. We need our constitutionalists, among others, who are on this commission. We don't much care if the media and the Democrats like it or not, do we? No, not at all. Well, I was hoping also you would talk about the mechanics of impaneling such a commission. Well, it's uh, the mechanics are however he chooses to do it. You have the uh, White House lawyers draw it up, and you just do it. So it's up to the president. Why not? It's his commission. It's a presidential commission, and I, and we'll let Biden should he slither in. We'll let Biden uh, eliminate the commission. That'll just be more evidence he doesn't want to know a damn thing. Oh, I didn't think he could do that. Well, of course he can. They're not presidential appointments. I mean, presidential appointments in the sense of constitutional appointments. He can throw anyone out he wants to. Hmm. Okay. All right, my friend. Uh, By the way, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. That's a nice place, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bless you, Mark. Thanks. All again. right, take care of yourself. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I was there once. I passed through in about eight hours. But I, there are places I've done that. I've told my wife, when this is all said and done, when I retire, I've decided to retire, you know, 70, my low 70s, whatever, going to get a small RV, not one of these big ones. I wouldn't know how to drive them. I'd be driving all over curbs and knocking into light you know, posts and everything else. We're going to drive from one end of this country to the other, and I want to stop into all the little towns, and I want to go into the diners. That's what I want to do. Go into the hardware stores. It's something I want to do. This fast pace where I'm doing three or four jobs at once has to come to an end at some point, right? Bring the microphone with me. You all, you never know. Maybe I'll podcast. What was that guy, Charles Osborne, who had like 12 families and nobody knew it? I'm Charles Osborne. I used to watch the guy. He's good, good. Wait a minute. He's got two families and neither family knew about it? That's kind of sad, really. Let us continue, and shall we continue? Yes, we much, to quote the late, great Al Sharpton. Chris, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, my hometown, the great WPHT, go. Thank you, Mr. Lance. Uh, first time, long time, very, very honored. Thank you, sir. It's, what um, part of Philly are you from? Levittown, uh, right outside of Philly. I know where it is. Go right ahead, my friend. <laughs> Um, it's the business of the government to really not do anything because they become obsolete. And I think, uh, the unelected bureaucracy that's, uh, signing with communist China right now would basically become a puppet for China. Uh, if we don't fight back, then us, Israel, will all go down as the last bastion of freedom that we have. And, uh, Secretary Pompeo explained 
the Confucius institutions. Uh, they stole an election right out from under us, the Hunter Biden hoax. It's hard to believe that the media thinks that we're that stupid. And I chalk this up to cultural differences. I, I think that they're giving marching orders, China is, to our media. And um, they're less than altruistic people. So You know, you know I don't even first. think they need marching orders. They just instinctively know as a... Uh, they're, they're sort of brainwashed indirectly. They don't even have to be directly brainwashed. And, they, and, and they're very anti-American, hostile to this country in the media. And by the way, I happen to think Mike Pompeo is the greatest Secretary of State in my lifetime. In my lifetime. And he'll be on this program. Uh, he's scheduled to be on this program tomorrow. We'll get into some of this. I, I think um, President Trump being in the White House, and I'll leave it at this, uh, China's got the most to lose. Not Russia. I think China's beyond all this. If uh, if it was Russia, then you'd have Svetlana. With no, no. I, well, I, you, know. you think China's behind the hacking? No, I think China does hack. But I think this particular time, I don't think we should be giving Russia a pass. Russia's an enemy. No, I mean, not. we have our whole NATO system is built to deal with Russia. Yeah, I think that's obsolete at this point. I think Russia. No, I don't think it's obsolete in the least. You think their nuclear missiles are obsolete? No, but I, I just think they want to be off the line. I think China's the real issue. You here. think they, they want to be off the line? They just hacked us, pal. You're not making any sense. I, no, I and, Unless you're just a denier. They just hacked, according to the Trump administration, they even hacked into our nuclear uh, 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 offices, uh, uh, oversight facilities. Oh, no, 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 that's just old school. Are you kidding me? I think China has more to lose. Ah, get off the phone, you idiot. I didn't say we have to pick China or Russia. The hell do the Russians have to do? Do we have to downplay Russia? Is this an ideological thing now, Mr. Producer? That if you talk about Russia, that means you don't think China's a threat? What is that? I don't understand. And just to dismiss that, that's old thinking. They've attacked us. No, no, that's old thinking. It's not old thinking. They've attacked us. China is a grave threat to this country. I've been talking about it behind this microphone and on Levin TV for five years, long before most of these other guys have. Michael Pillsbury we've had on. Who else have we had on? I don't remember. Rich, do you remember? Gordon Chang we've had on. Others we've had on. Experts we've had on. How do you think people even know to bring them on TV? I've gone through the military issues. The grave threat that they are? They dismiss it. What are you going to do? Dismiss Iran to them? Iran, that's old thinking. It's not old thinking. It's not new thinking. It's reality. And no, I'm not a neocon either. They attacked us. I don't know. It must be the Chinese. No, they attacked us, according to the Trump administration. Good Lord. Unfortunately... As I said at the opening of the program, there are many countries that would love to see us sink. There are many forces, including within our own country, a fifth column that is trying to do to us what the Chinese and the Russians can't even do to us, which is burn our Constitution. I'm the one that's been on the air saying we face a two-front war with China and the Democrats, and I still believe that. But that doesn't mean we don't have other enemies. No, 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 you don't understand. That's all thinking. It's got to be China. That's why I get angry. That's why, you know what, forget it. 
Forget it. There's no amount of evidence that will demonstrate to you that Russia is an enemy. No, no, no. There's massive nuke missiles aimed at Los Angeles and Philadelphia and our East Coast and our West Coast and Central. No, no, no. There, there. That's all thinking. I'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. Let's see. China leads the world in jailing journalists for second year running, Mr. Producer. And yet America's journalists have no problem with it. They haven't done a single story on it. This is from our friends at Breitbart. Committee to Protect Journalists, Jay Hayward released its annual Press Freedom Report. Here they released their annual Press Freedom Report, and you see nothing by a single so-called big media newsroom. Not one. Not one. Instead, they want a commission to investigate Trump and his response to COVID. So my response to Chuck Todd and his lovely family is, maybe you shouldn't get a vaccine. If you think the president didn't do anything, maybe you and Mrs. Chuckles and the little Chuckles, maybe the whole Chuckles family should go without. Because that's exactly where we would be if your party, Chuckles, was in charge. Anyone else call him Chuckles? I don't know that they do, but I like that name now. Chuckles. He's a real laugh right, that, uh, that clown, a real laugh right. Let's see, what else do we have? Six experts predict... The worst scenario with China under a feeble Biden. Our friends at the Federalist, Madeline Osborne. See, there's a lot of good media out there, if you know what you're doing. Gordon Chang, our friend Gordon. Rebecca Heinrichs, David Goldman, Sumantra Maitra, Michael Pillsbury, our friend. Helen Raleigh. I wonder how often any of them. They've been on CNN, owned by AT&T. We're going to get rid of all AT&T stuff, all Comcast stuff. I've had it. you got to put into action what you say. Actually, I think we may have gotten rid of some of this already. I don't know. I have to check with the wife. But if we haven't, we will. We're going to cleanse ourselves. Let's take another call, shall we? Let's see. Uh, let's go to Herschel, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Herschel, you're on the air. Go. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I have a quick question. Um, I'm doing fine. Before you get started, Herschel, here's my question. It's cold in New York City. It's been snowing. It's sleeting. Apparently, Black Lives Matter and Antifa don't take to this weather, do they? No, we don't see them now. No, they're not out and about, you know, burning places down, brutalizing cops, assaulting senior citizens, uh, throwing Molotov cocktails into into cruisers and so forth. No, no, no. I don't think they like this weather. All right, Herschel, go right ahead. Right. We got to keep on fighting until we turn this election over to its rightful winner, Donald Trump. If Joe Biden becomes president, the Democrats will impeach him because of his son Hunter's dealings in China. And they'll give the presidency to Kamala Harris when we didn't elect her. And not only that, we outvoted her. We, she was doing so terribly in the polls when she ran for president that she left. She fled. 
The Democrats set this the up. Democrats the Democrats are not going to impeach Biden. What they would do is tell him to get out. I'm going to. They would tell him to get out. He would get out. You're exactly right in my view. They want Kamala Harris because uh, she's a radical leftist, neo-Marxist, dressed up as a democratic socialist, democrat liberal. All these terms. Sir. Yep. There's so much division in our country, but at least now it stems from a good place because President Trump has exposed to, exposed to us what the Democrats are full of, where they suck up to China, and Joe Biden wants us to stand behind him in unity. No, we shouldn't be doing that. I'm not that. standing behind Joe Biden, in front of him, to the side of him. No, 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 no. Uh, the only way the left and the Democrat Party will learn anything is if what was done to our president is done to their guy should he slither into the White House. That's it. That's why, no, I'm not going to stand with Mitch McConnell. No, I'm not going to stand with any of those people. No. All right, my friend, thank you for your... Uh, okay, let's keep going. Uh, let's see. Oh, the poor civil service guy's not protected. All right, not interested. Uh, let's see. Vera, East Brunswick, New Jersey, the great WABC. Vera, how are you? Fine, thank you. Um, I just want to say, first of all, I'm just very upset that uh, President Trump has done so much good for this country in his four years in office, and he doesn't get credit for it nope. in the media. And Even um, some conservative outlets don't give him credit. Right. It just, it's just heartbreaking, really. And secondly, what I don't understand is, did the Republicans not have any idea of the levels of the low level that the Democrats would sink to? To, to cheat their way and win this election? Did I, not, did I not come on this radio broadcast and talk, say to millions and millions of people over and over again, Biden's got 600 lawyers. We better be ready. We need to have lawyers in every state. We need to have lawyers in every county. Everyone says they said it. I can point to one time after another after another. I'm not going to waste Mr. Producer's time. I said it over and over and over again. I don't think the campaign did. However, however, there were people litigating in these states to take on these special interest groups and the Democrats, to take on the Biden campaign. And these, you have courts in these states, like in Pennsylvania and other states, that just rolled them. Just rolled them. And the Supreme Court's the worst of them all. Worst of them all. And we're never going to forget that here, ever. It's just devastating for this country that this was allowed to happen. And Damn I kind right. of blame the Republicans. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. All right, Vera, you take care of yourself. Let's continue. Who says I never take phone calls? I must confess, I have been negligent in that regard. Mike Duluth, Minnesota, XM Satellite. Mike, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing wonderful, Mark. See, I just have a, a quick question uh, relative to the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which deals with insurrection or, and rebellion for those who have taken an oath. Uh, to, uh, you know. Anyway, I'm just wondering if there's any <laughs> application to our uh, problems with uh, the illegal election. No, no, the erection. The erection. <laughs> The Erection Act, which is coming out of the Democrat House, and the Senate Democrats can't wait to pass it. Uh, no, the Insurrection Act uh, is a statute that's been in existence since the early 1800s. 
And your question is what? Uh, my question is, uh, um, is uh, uh, people who have taken the oath of office, uh, like members of Congress, uh, uh, who may have uh, been involved. You know what's interesting? Has anybody ever been held to account for lying under the oath of office? Uh, no. Under the oath of, no, I'm talking about whether they're actually engaged in... in uh, I, know, I know, but you said they take an oath of office. And I'm, I'm sitting here, as you say, that, wondering to myself, Okay, for, for the left, it's a formality, because they have no intention of upholding the Constitution or the laws of the United States. Their entire purpose is sabotage. Anyway, what's your point? Uh, well, I mean, my point is, uh, and, I'm not a, and I'm not an attorney, you understand... Okay, what's your point? ...section better than I, or much better than anyone else. Uh, uh, if if, uh, if uh, people uh, conspired uh, to rig this election... Uh, and uh, they are members of Congress. Um, uh, do all right, all right. Uh, if people conspired to rig this election and they're members of Congress, okay, how do we even get to that point? Who's going to investigate them? No idea. Under what authority? The answer is nobody. Uh, okay, well, just a question. I just uh, wonder if there was any uh, remedy at all that we could No, there's no remedy. But thank you for your call. Old Abe, Abe Lincoln. Remember Abe Lincoln? Well, his name now has to be sandblasted off of every building. All his monuments need to come down because, you know, Abe, Abe Lincoln, he didn't do enough for the slaves. No, no, no. LeBron James, no, he did a lot. We need more monuments of LeBron James. And uh, But Abe Lincoln, no. You know, he's he's got to be sandblasted from history because, you know, they went back and looked at a few of his speeches way back in the 1840s and 50s. Man gave his life for his country, was shot in the back of the head because he led the effort to keep the Union together and eliminate slavery. But he's not good enough. He's not good enough. Abe Lincoln actually arrested a member of Congress who was particularly vocal against the war effort. You aware of this, Mr. Producer? He had him arrested and then had him removed from his state <laughs> and sent somewhere else to another state. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, Abe Lincoln also, through his Secretary of War, his fingerprints weren't on most of it, but he knew it, Shot down around 300 newspapers. I wonder what the journalists think about that. I wonder what the low IQ, uninformed, virtually illiterate Joe Scarborough would say about that. I know what he'd say. He's Genghis Khan. He's Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. He's Genghis Khan. Right, Mika? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Docker, not doctor, doctor. By the way, I have a Juris Doctorate degree, Mr. Producer. I'm an attorney. All attorneys have what's called a Juris Doctorate degree. Are you aware of that, a JD? Henceforth, I should be referred to as Dr. Levin. People used to call here and call me Dr. Levin. Why, I don't know. But 
I have a JD, a Juris Doctorate degree. Now, of course, you don't call lawyers doctor. But I think we should play along a little bit, don't you folks? I mean, I spent a lot of years getting my law degree. Wasted a lot of time in law school. I mean, I went to law school. You know the truth? And I don't mean this to sound cocky. It's the truth. I didn't need to go to college. I didn't need to go to law school. Self-taught. I could have taught myself the law, taught myself everything. So I got to sit there and listen to the liberals all the, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That's the problem. That's the problem. But henceforth, I have a Juris Doctorate degree. I'm a doctor. I guess, right? Well, she's a doctor. I'm definitely a doctor. But this could be part of the problem. I was just thinking about if Dr. Jill Biden is a doctor and her patient is Joe Biden, this could kind of explain something, couldn't it, Mr. Producer? He's not getting the medical care he deserves, or at least needs. I challenge the newsrooms in this country to do a story on China locking up journalists. By the way, what's happened to the University of Texas? It's become like a liberal bastion. I'm sorry, all of you who are alum from there, but it's terrible. They're giving out a journalism award named after Dan Rather. Dan Rather. Guy's an idiot. Hi, I'm Dan Rather. Dan Rather with a nose. Now, Dan Rather's another one. He goes after Trump. He went after Reagan. He went after Nixon. Not Democrats. He loved Democrats. So, there you go. A journalism warm named after uh, Dan Rather. That's something to aspire to, isn't it, Mr. Bidu? The guy got his ass fired at CBS because he screwed up that other story. In other words, he lied about George W. Bush. In my humble opinion. So now you have a journalism award named after Dan Rather. Dan, Dan Rather. Honest to God. It's unbelievable. Any corporation, media outlet, or individual now, I'm being honest about this, who defends communist China is the enemy of the American people. And I mean this sincerely. I mean this sincerely. By the way, my wife does remind me, and she's right. She's the one that came up with J.D. as doctor. Dr. Levin and Dr. Levin. Hey, we could open a, uh, a medical firm, Mr. Producer. People be completely confused. Dr. Levin, meet Dr. Levin. Sounds like the Marx Brothers or something. All right, let's see. Let us go to Tom. Haversham, Georgia, the great WCHM. Go, sir. Hey, Mark. Why, why okay. won't either of your Senate candidates come on this show? I think they got the kibosh from Mitch McConnell's staff. Uh, it's isn't a isn't mystery, that kind Mark, of foolish? You, you, absolutely. You know, I... I, 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 I mm. <laughs> Don't get me going on that one. I mean, um, I want everyone to vote for them. Don't get me wrong. It's, you know, it's who's going to fill these two seats. Please, Lord. <laughs> Please, Lord is right. I just find it really uh, foolish. But anyway, go right ahead. Your presidential commission, I've been thinking not about that specifically, but I like it a lot because, as I understand it, please correct me, Dr. Levin, J.D., <laughs> um, 
There is no statute. But of I am not a proctologist. I must confess. Go ahead. Okay. Well, that's that's good news. Yes. <laughs> there is no statute of limitations, as I understand it, on fraud. So. Well, the, no, there the are. There is. There is. There, there are statutes. It depends on the state, but there are. There are. Well, hey, Tom. Yeah. You're a good man. Gotta run. Don't get mad at me. Tom, call back again. We got. I'm cut short here. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'm not a proctologist, and I'm not a gynecologist either. Just want you to know. No, no, maybe I'll be like a dermatologist. No, I don't want to do that either. See you tomorrow. God bless each and every one of you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 